Storymakers. I'm Angie Powers. I'm Elizabeth Stark. And, and this, this is Storymakers Show. And um, today, today on Storymakers, <laughs> we're super excited to have Vanessa Hua with us. Wonderful novelist, short story writer, and journalist, among I, other talents. <laughs> oh, I'm happy to be on. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So um, what we do is we're going to just quickly check in about what we're working on because we do that every week. And then we'll start with what you're working on after that. So, um, Angie, what are you working on? Uh, at present, I am working on emptying out the car. And <laughs> yeah, we just returned from being evacuated. So um, from there, I have been working on uh, actually reading more. That's what I've been more focusing on. So more reading. Fill the well. Yes. Fill the well. <laughs> um, so I'm back into waiting again. I've been in many, many cycles of I'm revising, I'm waiting, I'm revising, I'm waiting. So I'm waiting. But um, you're not waiting to revise. No, I know. I'm hopeful waiting to hear. I will. I'll probably have to revise again. It's sort of endless. It's asymptotic. But um, and actually, I, I want to hopefully we'll talk a little bit about revision um, and moving on and all of that. So. Um, so, yeah, but we'll, we'll I'll come back to that. Um, Vanessa, what are you working on right now? I am also revising my next novel. Uh, I got a set of notes back that are really helpful and it's sort of. Um, but I, I anticipate there will probably be more edits down the road, but it's a project I began a very long time ago, um, even just before I headed off to grad school in 07, when I got the idea for this book and have worked on it off and on over the years. And yeah, I'm, I'm excited at the stage it is, it is now, but you just, uh, you know, sometimes like people will ask like, oh, how long did that book take to write? And I don't know, you sort of sound squirrely because you're trying to explain like <laughs> there's like all these twists and turns and life stuff and then other books and, you know, but um, anyway, so I'm excited about that. Yeah. So actually, that reminds me that I haven't read the, your bio, which I would like to just share with our listeners so they know a little bit more about you. Um, so Vanessa Context is, yeah, is a columnist <laughs> for the San Francisco Chronicle and the author of A River of Stars, her debut novel, and Deceit and Other Possibilities, a collection of short stories. And she received a Rona Jaffe Foundation Writers Award, the Asian Pacific American Award for Literature, and a Steinbeck Fellowship in Creative Writing, as well as honors from the Society of Professional journalists and the Asian American Journalists Association. And she's written for the New York Times and the Washington Post, among other publications. She is a Bay Area native and works and teaches at the San Francisco Writers Grotto. Uh, so at, so anyway, that's the so bio. a lot Let's of see. loitering in your day-to-day. <laughs> and, and, and we will mention that she has twins, too. <laughs> Which we have, you know, the, the almost twins. The, the San Francisco twins. You were the one who told me about that saying, and I'll trot that out at Book Talk. <laughs> yes, excellent. Excellent. So, so, so the novel that you're revising now, you, you actually started it then before A River of Stars. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And and, so, and how did it and how did you have and do you have other I mean, how many how many novels do you have floating around? Right. Well, I just I, I do remember um, when this novel that I'm working on now initially went out on submission in 09. I had two other friends whose books were also going out and they both sort of as an aside said, oh, this is the third book I've written. But the first one that right. sort of like so. sold. And I thought, well, <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. Hope that doesn't happen to me. 
<laughs> so that this novel that I'm working on um, now, like it came close, but didn't sell. And as they say, that only matters in horseshoes and grenades. So <laughs> I had to <laughs> close. I heard the horseshoes, the grenades one is sort of an upbeat, updated. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. exactly. So, so I had to sort of, I still believed in the book and still had to put it aside, but, but still had to put it aside, you know, and um, worked on A River of Stars and my short story collection. And when A River of Stars sold, they attached that that other novel to it. because So you, have a, you got a two book. A you two got a two book. Deal. Oh, that's yeah. fabulous. Yeah. So I, because I thought for some reason that I thought the short stories were the two book deal, but no. No, the short stories, uh, that they were, they were first published um I, I had entered a contest at this small press and it won. And then it's actually getting reissued next spring by counterpoint with some additional yeah. stories. So, Super exciting. Yeah. 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 What's, what's the, what's the difference for you between writing short stories and novels and how do they, how do they sort of fit? When do you write short stories in the process of writing and revising novels? Yeah, I think, um, I mean, as you know, there's like periods of time where you're trading off your novel manuscript to a writing partner, an agent or an editor. So there's sort of periods in between where I think it would just be like too much to like start another novel uh, while you're sort of neck deep in another book length project. Then again, there is that thing where you sort of like nothing is more enticing than the project that you're not supposed to be working on. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Cheat on one project with another. Um, but for me, I actually started on a, a couple new short stories, sort of like in that in-between period. And then, um, I mean, I think obviously there's some, I mean, although one of the short stories uh, that is appearing in the collection, um, I started writing in college and only now oh. it's been more than 20 years. So I, I was about to say like, oh, there's some, you know, sh of course it takes a shorter amount of time to write a short story, but sometimes the time is, that it's going to take to realize how you want to finish the story is just the time it's going to take. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think uh, short stories are closer to poems more in than novels in terms of like their intensity or focus on a specific moment. Um, and yeah, I just I just love being able to to write in both uh, genres or subgenres. It would be interesting to be able to go back to other aspects of college and like redo them with the wisdom of some time having done this math homework back in. <laughs> exactly. Well, I remember my I think somewhere around the house we have like my old, old Mac computer and my mom is even though I'd like or we had like the floppy disk. Anyway, it, my yes. mom and my dad were like just convinced there was like genius <laughs> to be found on the hard drive. I'm like, I think let's just yeah the problem is that, that it, medium is uh is that technology is inaccessible so right yeah. it would take it would take yeah. so much genius to access those old computers yes <laughs> yeah um so all right so did you have a question well i actually in the you know in the formation of a collection of short stories so how do you decide because you just added some more right What's the thing that holds that collection together that makes it a collection rather than sort of something random? Then a stack of papers. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Well, you know, and it's funny. I, I think um, some people, for me, the theme did not emerge um, until after I wrote the collection. And even the original 10, I'd maybe written over a period of 10 years. Um, and so I didn't, but it was only after I saw them as a whole that I realized that not only did the stories kind of speak to each other in some ways, um, in the way that album versus like a single, uh, releasing a bunch of singles does, um, that, but, but then that themes did emerge, that I did see this pattern of sort of like immigrants and the children of immigrants, um, you know, faking it until they could make it, and the lies and the secrets they keep in the sense of like thinking this is necessary for their survival or their family's survival. Um, but I didn't initially from the very first story say like, oh, I'm going to write about people who, who are deceptive. Um, but, you know, it just it just emerged. And I think, um, you know, it's interesting. Uh, I mean, we know what mixtapes are, but I think I don't know if this generation of kids do where they can just like hit shuffle and it, it like instantly shuffles and it's easy to move things around. <laughs> Why? Well, yeah, I think though they make playlists for each other. They do, but see, with a t- cassette tape, you had to like record and hit. No, it was far more work. Definitely, yeah, it was, and it was like sort of set in stone. Like a playlist, you can be like, oh well, maybe I'll move it up three songs, and right, yeah. So, so, but I guess where I'm going with this, is, especially if you're um, recording from the radio, I mean, that was that was yes. commitment, right? Right. We had to figure out like when's the DJ gonna stop talking, and you can like. <laughs> It record. Um, I guess my point is with the short story collection, you are kind of, I don't know, I thought very much about like what sort of movement or invitation or ending or feeling I wanted um, uh, within the collection, that there was an internal movement and sort of also what it looked like as a whole and sort of because, um, you see, on one hand, like, a lot of the short stories had been published in a ma- lit magazine here, a magazine there, but then realizing, like, together they are yet another work of work, piece of work to, in, in their entirety, which was kind of a, a cool thing to realize. That is cool. So. I want to ask, speaking of work in entirety, there's my segue, but um, I love River of Stars and um, and it has so many unexpected twists and turns. And one of the things I was curious about is your process. Like, did you did you plan it and outline it and lay it out? Did you when when did you discover all of those unexpected to the reader uh, twists and turns Um, in the first draft? Yeah, So I I I don't outline. because I think I don't, for me, I don't know the characters well enough until I'm sort of moving along in the book. And there is a this one twist that you know about. <laughs> um, and I think I was maybe two thirds of the way through the first draft thinking, okay, how is this thing gonna end? And I think logically I was thinking about like, well, if I was thinking about this logically, she could do this, this or this. Um, but then I was going for a swim and I do try to incorporate a run or swim or walk into my creative practice because I think that's necessary. And um, I distinctly remember swimming and thinking, I know exactly what's going to happen. And like jumping out of the pool, I'm like um, <sighs> typing in something in my phone or, you know, um, because I mean, I think often like the answer is there all along it's in our subconsciousness but how do we tap into it and you can't just say like open 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 sesame like it has to you have to somehow make the conditions available for you to 
to to to get it. So I love that we talk with physical movement. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Angie's always, I don't know, it's from somebody that you read, but like sort of the diffuse mode and the focus mode and diffuse mode. So we actually, I mean, I talk a lot about using the processes that are very linear to feed that intuitive part. Yeah. You know, so it's your focus mode. It's literally, you know. Well, it's like the part where you're saying what what could happen. Here are the logical right. things that could happen. Yeah. Doing that, you sort of prime yourself for the swim to be. But you can't do both at the same time. So you have to either focus or be in diffuse. But if you're in focus mode, you can't make those things that I think we identify as big creative leaps because you narrow what your brain is working with. And so when you step away, when you swim, then your brain opens up to much more, um, much broader subject sets. So then you can start making those creative leaps that cause Definitely. you to cool. I mean, I think, I think I'll, um, in revision, I might take a much more logical, like, okay, why is this scene sort of flagging or who exactly is in this scene? What does each person want? Like I'll, and that will be more effective. But like if I'm drafting, like, it, yeah, it has to be sort of like you prime yourself, but then you have to sort of open yourself up to the universe. So, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, I'm curious. So I'm, now I'm circling back to my revision kind of my personal where questions about revision where I am. And it sounds like you have also gone through intensive processes of revision, um, both. So there's like there's the pro, there's the sort of personal process where you where you are getting something. You have your readers and you're getting it to the place where it's ready to go into the world. And then there's a really additional intense process once it's in the world. Right. I mean, once it's with agents and then with editors right there's an, another I mean I guess some people I mean with my first novel I had much less editing I will say and in fact some reviewer mentioned that there should have been more but um so I guess here's the thing so like I'm looking at this you know rough draft of something new ish and when and thinking about when to get readers right and so have for yourself having gone through you know getting a book that that you know many professionals felt was ready to be out in the world that didn't sell then getting a book ready to be out in the world that did sell and then is in the world and all of that and got accolades um now you're going back to the first book you know how are you how are you in that world balancing kind of what you want the book to be and what you know to do with kind of what with the comments you're getting (laughs) I mean I think I um I mean I think each time you're starting over again even though I am working with something that I worked on before um I mean just even for one aspect like the, the book I'm working on now is set on the eve of the cultural revolution involves this dance troupe with chairman Mao and these teenage girls um and so even though of course, the Me Too movement didn't exist then, and that's not even the language or how she would see things. It is the context in which we, in which I, the writer, and you, the reader, live in. And so it's just something, they're not going to start talking like 2019 millennials, but they're, they're going, or Generation Z, but, but they're, they're, this is the context we're in. You know, it's just kind of shaped my thinking on what it means to have a relationship between a much older man and a younger woman, for example. Right, just right. So, um, but in terms of revision, um, I remember with the River of Stars, I don't know, somewhere along the way, the timelines had gotten all screwed up so that there were like too many weeks 
<laughs> between like New Year's and Chinese something. And so the copy editor twenty six weeks. Like off. And yeah. and um I had an excellent copy editor who like mapped it out and like kind of pointed it out. And so I was able to fix it in the final so that um. it like made sense. Because I think sometimes when you're revising you're like the editor asks like when did this happen? You're like, Oh, a few days later. A few days later. <laughs> a few days later. <laughs> so so um, so just in terms of maybe what's different now is like this time I print as I don't know, I don't remember what draft it was. Like I printed out some blank time uh whatever calendars from nineteen sixty five and nineteen sixty six and just sort of like marked so that it made sense on the calendar because I guess thinking knowing that somewhere down the line they might be like, Oh, this these days don't add up. I, I like what? And it's funny because it sounds, you know, like I think sometimes we get notes like that and we think, well, that's sort of petty. That seems like an unimportant detail. But in fact, it's quite important because it yes. pulls the reader out. Yeah. When, when you have sort of, you're, when, when someone feels disoriented, but it's kind of funny because you could feel like, having had a similar issue in my own past, <laughs> I feel like sometimes you think, really, really, is that the big thing? And, some, and sometimes, yeah, it is. And so I was just love your strategy of finding the calendars of the period and then actually using that is a great right. tool right and in fact like sometimes even doing that like you're like oh i didn't realize this holiday fell here and it can have some impact on the the narrative like so you just you just never know i mean like you don't want you're writing fiction so you don't want to be like bounded necessarily by you know Gravity, yes, but not, not everything else. So, right. Yeah. Well, a, yeah, that's an interesting line, especially with historical fiction, right? Like, yeah. how, um, how are you kind of, how else are you immersing yourself in the time and place that you obviously weren't like, uh, you know, experiencing Living. personally? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, but there um, are, I was just right. going to say, there are well, some people who are going to find it and be like, Rrr. Yeah, well, I did fall into this little rabbit hole like just a week or two ago where I was like, how, what kind of menstrual pads were <laughs> And like, I, I even checked out this book called Menstruation. Like, and it was, but it was this, actually, it wasn't a history of menstruation. It was like a book of gothic essays. It was interesting. Um, and then... Did you know in the Victorian period in the U.S. that women used to wear these rubber diapers basically underneath oh. their their petticoats to like catch? <laughs> I don't so know. Awful. It just sounded really awkward. Um, I'm like, wow. Yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> so um, I don't know the answers to your question, but I mean, I think, I think. So, so um, my thought is that uh, research should be the floor and not the ceiling. Um, yeah. But, you know, there are some people, and, you know, I do have some of the period details, but, like, there are some forms of historic fiction where it's, like, and that readers go after, where readers love, where it's, like, a laundry list, almost, of mm -hmm. the food and this and that. And um, for, I mean, those things are important, but for me, like, the character and the interiority is, is of more interesting to me in, in my work, so... So then that actually kind of begs the question, especially with historical fiction, and you kind you alluded to this earlier, you know, we have 
incredibly different sensibilities. And so, you know, how people thought in some ways, like we, we all have human emotion, yeah. but, but the ways that people would express it, the things people would feel um, okay interacting with were different at a different time. Like when you, like there was a period of time where, I don't know, I just, it's hard to imagine that if you lived in a world where, um, I'm thinking like the, you know, dark ages, right? Where, you know, like every other kid didn't make it past two. (laughs) Right. And you have these traditions, right? Where you don't even name a baby until after a certain point because they may not make it. And, you know, the way that we deal with something like that now is seems different than the way that it got held culturally in different times. And so the interiority to me seems like harder than the laundry list in a certain way. Do you know what I mean? Right. Like a list of objects versus like going deep into someone's brain and not sort of imposing our. Yeah. Well, cause I remember someone was like, Oh, does, Someone was asking, had a question like, oh, does Chairman Mao think about, like, his infant son that he lost to dysentery? And I'm, like, thinking no. <laughs> because he, yeah. he, he'd he lost, by that point, he'd, like, had to abandon two children on the long march. Like, another mm. son had been killed on an airstrike. Like, I guess you're not going to forget you have that child. But, like, it's a little bit different than if it's the only child you ever lost. Yeah. Right. Right. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Well, so you, yeah. You're a journalist, too. So that's kind of interesting in terms of research. So when you say the floor, not the ceiling, do you mean that you start there? Well, I don't want to be limited by it. OK. Yeah. So it's like something to the, stand however, on. Like, yeah. You can stand on it. It's the leaping off point for me. I, I know some people might feel differently, like, oh, I can only take it from transcripts or et cetera. But I, I for me, I feel like you just have to go with. I mean, I think fiction is really interesting in the places that it's outside of the official record. So, mm-hmm. um, and that's sort of like where you research it to, to the extent that you can. And I mean, I've talked to students where I think like, oh, I've always wanted to write this, but if only I knew this, or if only I could get to this place to do this research, like particularly if it's like a family story. Um, and I understand their impulse, but it's sort of like, on the other hand, like, there's a lot already like keeping you from writing the book that you wanted to write. Like, yeah. What have you just kind of just started and saw where your imagination could take you, you know? So I love that. Yeah. I think, yeah. Well, well, I mean, that's that whole thing of like, go ahead and be wrong for a little bit and then (laughs) figure out where you need to go deeper in some places. It's yeah. How do you sort sort of, I mean, maybe this isn't hard at all, but like, you know, you're doing journalism and some of it's personal sort of personal journalism, right? So narrative and, but, um, but still it has this whole different set of standards than obviously fiction, right? I mean, you, and so how do you, I don't know, is it, is it ever, ever a challenge to sort those things or is it, does it, you know, come naturally to you? Um, no, I, I don't think so because uh, I mean I, I like I, I like being able to do both because I feel like um, writing journalism will get me out in the world and it'll get published within days or weeks or months um, and where 
you know, in fiction, I'm sort of more alone in my head, alone with the characters. Um, and, but, you know, I get to sort of, it was interesting. I was talk. I was uh, doing some sort of talk the other week and I think I pointed, they were asking about the whole outlining question. And I think I'm much more likely to outline with a, with, with fiction, with journalism, because like, I have the set of available facts that kind of can, it's shorter and I can also sort of determine like, well, I need to discuss this and address this. And, you know, I like a scaffolding structure is like much more of a useful generative tool for me with, with, with journalism. Um, but I mean, I think I don't want to say that journalism is limiting in any way, in a sense, I think it just has different aims. Right. And so, um, but I like, uh, I don't know if I've ever thought like, I mean, sometimes things that I've written about as a journalist, I've wanted to revisit as fiction, but I don't know if it's ever been in the reverse. Cause like where it's something I wrote in fiction where I suddenly I'm like, Oh, well, let me find the true story behind it. Because then at that point, like I've already got my version of the story that I wanted to tell. So, yeah. Did right. you do any of that though, for um, sort of outreach when the book was published, like, pub, you know, do sort of nonfiction pieces that just to get your name circulating more. Uh, yeah, I mean, I wrote, um, and when, when your next book comes out, you will always be sort of like attuned to the news. Um, <laughs> But uh, like, for example, with A River of Stars, which deals a lot with maternity tourism, there was like similar legislation that came out in Canada. And then I ended up writing this think piece for this Australian news magazine, because I guess they're also, you know, there's it was I think it was a piece about birthright citizenship. So you kind of like find out the ways in which you can join the conversation. Um, but then other times, like maybe it's not appropriate. Like there was a case at one of these maternity centers where this rear overtired, stressed out night nurse, like stabbed a bunch of the babies and the patients, no one died. Oh but God. it's like, I don't think <laughs> that I want to weigh in on this because <laughs> like, then my book is like tied up in that. And right. it's like a separate thing. So. Right, right. Yeah. Before we go, before we go to our wrap, steal this, um, I just wanted to, you are so, I mean, you're such a generous community member and you're so kind of authentically, I think, good at being part of the conversation and bringing other people into the conversation. And so I guess I wanted to get your advice. I mean, we're, we're you know, Storymaker Show definitely has a lot of um, writers and other kinds of story makers. Um, just your advice about um, kind of, I don't know that, I know platforms may be the wrong word, but being part of the conversation in a way that is authentic and connected. And I don't know, what advice would you give people about um, how to do that, especially like with a book coming out or that kind of thing? Well, first off, thank you. And I think you are also really good at uplifting others through your teaching and your conference and the show. So, so thank you for that. Thank so, um, and I mean, I think, uh, well, it was funny because I, I remember talking to a friend. He's like, oh, you have a really good Twitter feed. I'm like, all I do is retweet the things I'm interested in. <laughs> like, like, it wasn't like I had a strategy, but I mean, maybe that's what the strategy is. Like, you know, um, support the books and causes and people whose work compels you and it'll come off as authentic. And then just always, um, you know, but always the, the community stuff, it has, like comes like long before any of the book or 
like stories may come out, right? You're, um, I remember someone saying like, oh, you should get to know bookstores. This is about a month, a, a year before my first, the short story collection came out. And at first I was like, how do you, how do you do that? Do I just like sidle up to the counter? Um, like, I have a book coming out. Um, but in a way, if you show up to your friends or writers you admire's events at the bookstores, like there's a human person behind the counter. And if you're a customer and a friendly face and supports what they do, then people remember that. I mean, there's always yeah. another human on the other end, whether it's a bookseller or a librarian or a Twitter account and just um, a magazine editor, literary magazine editor, like a festival. There's like all these institutions are made up of people. And if you are sort of like, put yourself out there and support what they're doing, people will support you in turn. And it doesn't feel like quid pro quo because it's just this friendship you have. So, yeah. yeah. And, and, oh, I, I would say this, I, you know, if someone's kind of new to a community or feeling shy, um, I would just suggest volunteering, you know, first you uh -huh. just maybe like show up, just go to that festival, enjoy it. But then sometimes you feel less shy if you just have something to do. And often the other people, the other volunteers are also writers, and this is how you sort of get tapped into different communities. That's really smart. Yeah, that is. Thank you. Thank it you. is time for Steal This. Amateur poet. Borrow. <laughs> Professional poet. Steal. There you go. <laughs> what have you come across in your wanderings and readings that you, lately, that you would like to take and make your own? Do you want to go first, or would you like one of us to go first? Uh, maybe one of you can go first. Okay, there, it's all <laughs> yeah. very free, free, free range. Yeah. Um, it, uh, let's see. What I, I actually hadn't plucked one out exactly. I'm I'm reading a friend's manuscript, which is actually really exciting. You know, when somebody's really good, um, yeah. and, and it's not entirely finished, you get to really think about um, kind of how to how did they do this. Yeah. How did they do it? And what else did they need to do without answering their questions? You're sort of asking the readers questions and then put it, giving it back to the writer to answer. But it always yeah. encourages me to remember uh, that I know how to fix something, that I can be my own reader as well. And so it kind of it, it kind of inspires me um, to write a to, to, you know, to, to do the bad writing <laughs> that, that leads to the better writing. Um, right. So um, and there and especially with um, kind of thriller stuff, it's so there's there is this um, technical side to it or this there is, you know, the plot, the sort of plot. The plotting. Yeah. Oh, you're writing a thriller. Well, I have I'm writing sort of a, a like a, it's, it's this literary suspense. It's not a full on thriller. Okay. I've written it, but um, but the one I'm reading is is a it's is more of a language thriller. and you feel somewhat tense sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's literary suspense. Yeah, exactly. but the one I'm reading is um is is more of a thriller, like a literary thriller. So I'm kind of um getting to think to think through all that. And I will say I've actually uh, because I was writing suspense, I've been reading a lot more. Um, yeah, you know, kind of weaving that in and um, and like like and I was, like Tana French, I was thinking yeah. about and I was actually saying to my friend, like, take a page out of Tana French because she's so good at like the psychology and yeah. the suspense and um, 
And uh, it was reminding me of the Fleabag person, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, that like have three things going on in a scene at any point. Like the characters, you know, maybe they're too hot or they need to pee or whatever. Like these different things that are Keep going on. Keep the pot boiling underneath them. Yes, yes. exactly. So, um, so that's kind of, I'm just kind of in that like in craft mode, but not as a writer, as a reader. And I actually, it's, you know, it's really helpful. It's a really help growth filled process. So I want to steal remembering you know, that there's always that gap between being the writer and being the reader, even for your own work. Mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> um, so for me, I, um, I actually read two books kind of in the last few months. One is a memoir and one is a um, novel. But so the novel was um, On Earth, We're Briefly Gorgeous by Ocean Wong. <sighs> And that's addressed um, to the the main character's mother. It kind of, it reads like a memoir, but it's a novel. And then I also read Heartberries by Therese Mayo. Um, Yes. um, And and also very beautiful. And that's addressed to her, her son or to her lover. So, um, and so I think with my novel that I'm working on now, there is a, there is, for the longest time, I didn't know who the book was addressed to, but it became more apparent, not after I read those other books, but like I've been thinking a lot about audience, um, not, not in terms of like actual audience, but like who the narrator of my work mm-hmm. is talking to and how that shapes what you conceal, what you disclose, how you tell it, mm-hmm. the reasons for wanting to tell the, the story through this sort of like letter-like form um and so i was i was glad that i'd been wanting to read these books and i mean honestly i think once you're immersed in a project like everything in a weird way sort of bends its way to what you're thinking because you're like you're like oh what can i what can i borrow you know even if in the end no one's going to recognize that this was part of the dna that's the successful theft that nobody recognizes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. It's yeah. like those birds that knock the other birds out of uh, the eggs. Yeah, the, the cuckoo bird birds or something. Oh. Yeah. yeah. They even raise. Do they raise their baby? They have the other people raise their eggs. Oh, they right. <laughs> That's smart. <laughs> like a hole birds. Yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> it works though. Uh, how yeah. about you, Ange? Um, well, I've been reading the Nickel Boys, and. Um, I have such a low attention span in some ways, but this book has really kept me engaged. And I've been thinking a lot. There's a a scene where after someone has been brutally beaten, he's awakes in the penitentiary and he talks about pulling fabric out of his wounds. Mm. You know, he's not wearing his pants anymore, but he's still pulling the fabric out. And, that sticks with you. And so sticks thinking about being, sticks being the without being with no pun intended there at all. Yeah. Um but having the kind of insight, it's so easy, I think, to kind of write a scene and move through it too quickly. Whereas taking the time to notice those kinds of details, those little things that just hit you really hard. Like the, yeah. um So what I'm really wanting to do is, you know, I often think about what is that significant detail, but to bring that detail in in a way that 
keeps you in the story so that it isn't just like, oh, here's this crazy thing. But it was just so part and parcel of what was happening. His this her character's like physical wounding and their emotional wounding. And, <clears throat> you know, it was so, I don't know, beautifully tied together. Um, so that's what I would like to steal is, is that significant detail that roots you, uh, disturbs you, but doesn't kick you out. That sounds great. Yeah. It's on my, it's on my new read list. So, <laughs> so um, can you tell people how to find their way to your work and, you know, your public presence? Oh, sure. So you can find me at my website, www.vanessahua.com. Um, I'm also on Twitter um, at Vanessa underscore Hua. Uh, you can find me elsewhere, but um, yeah, those are, those where might be where your readers will find me most. So. And A River of Stars is now in paperback? Now out in paperback. And see and Other Possibilities is coming out with Counterpoint in March um, awesome. as a reissue. And then, yeah, we'll see what happens with the next novel. No, no pub date yet, so. Right, right. Well, keep us posted, and um, we'll have links to all of that information and all of the books we mentioned in the show notes. So um, that's it. Everybody else, go write. All right. Thank Great. you so much. That Thank you so, nice so much. Yeah, I was yeah, really this is such a pleasure, so. Great. All right. Bye. Okay, bye. Yeah, glad you're at home. Okay, bye. Yeah. <laughs>